Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Alien Familiar RPG Podcast. I am Clayton. I'm Jordan. Pizza Man. It's Kyle. I was trying on a new name. I didn't like it. I'm immortal, so I'm bored. Before we get started, uh, you can find show notes and more at alienfamiliar.com. You can email us at alienfamiliarmedia at gmail.com. We are on Facebook, and we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash alienfamiliarmedia. So if you enjoy our content and would like to help us out with hosting costs, any help would be greatly appreciated. And as Kyle already kind of alluded to, we are talking about the psychology and sociology of immortality, Um, its effects on an individual's way of thinking and the way that a culture and a society would operate if there were some or all of its members immortal. I'll tell you this, Clayton. It makes you speak out in podcasts, desperate for a gag, a laugh, something to get the attention of your friends. Reminding yourself that there's meaning to this life. It's not good. It's not pretty. So how did you attain immortality if you're talking about... (laughs) If you're talking about this from first-hand experience, which it sounds like you're trying to... I got it through a jelly bean. (laughs) And when they say every flavor, they mean every flavor. (laughs) I'd call it a curse. Mm Mm-hmm. So was this jelly bean flavored like the immortal apples or the um, the golden apples that caused immortality in Greek mythology, the apples that caused immortality in um, Norse mythology, or the peaches that give immortality in Chinese mythology? It tasted more like uh, a dirty old metal cup. <laughs> I drank from this weird grail that was the taste of that jelly bean. That's interesting, because... Hebrew mythology, the apples how you lose immortality. Yep. Huh. Can't trust those apples. <laughs> what other ways are there to gain immortality? Um, before we get into that, what exactly are we talking about with immortality? That's what I want to know. Are we talking about you just live forever? Like, you're still going to age in some way. You'll still be old. You know, you'll just keep on trucking. Or are we talking about, like, vampire-type shit, where you're frozen wherever you attain it? Or is it something sci-fi, something more customizable? What are we talking about? I think we're just talking about all of each aspect of how it can be attained, because there's I think there's a, a lot of through lines that will would be able to be applied, regardless of how exactly you attained the immortality. Mm-hmm. But there are some unique things that each one of those types of immortality would bring to would bring to an individual in a society. Like you're talking about like some sort of an arrested development where you like, for instance, the hero Hercules, who when he was given immortality, he basically became frozen in that peak physical form that he was in right before he put on that poisonous uh, cloak that caused him to want to burn himself alive. Um, There's also attaining immortality at a particular point of your life and being frozen at that point, like you said, with like vampires um, and a lot of vampire lore um, or popular media, I should say Um, like an individual becomes static in that form. Like if you became a vampire when you were 18, then you would always appear 18. If you were in, became a vampire when you were eight, you would always appear as a child. If you attained uh, vampire, um, attained the embrace whenever you were in your seventies, you would always be this old man. Mm-hmm. 
think most people think of and want that peak physical ability and development forever. Um, nobody wants to be an eight-year-old forever. Nobody also wants to be uh, Tythonus in Greek mythology. Damn it, Clayton! That was mine! I looked him up. Go ahead. Ugh. <laughs> Go ahead, tell, tell us about Tythonus. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. It's a good one. Are you giving me the go-ahead? I'm giving you the go-ahead. Uh, well, he was taken as a lover by Eos, goddess of the dawn. Granted eternal life when Eos, wanting her mortal lover to be immortal like her, asked old Zeusy, uh, make, make my lover immortal. Eternal life. Ah, but she forgot to ask for eternal youth, the dumb idiot! And so, fucking, you know, Catch-22, Mc, Mc, McZeus boy, McLightning tosser, um, he is just like, your wish is granted. And, uh, the dude just ages. Um, and according to the Homeric hymn to Aphrodite, <clears throat> but when loathsome old age pressed full upon him, and he could not move nor lift his limbs, this seemed to her in her heart the best counsel. She laid him in a room and put to the shining doors... There he babbles endlessly and has no more strength at all, such as once he had in his supple limbs. Just a fucking babbling skeleton. Mm-hmm. There's a different. <sighs> uh, there's a different version of that same myth where he um, eventually is given mercy of being transformed into a grasshopper. Hmm. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Weird. Because because grasshoppers look like old men. Hmm. Oh, and they have that, like, goo that comes out of their mouth, you know? You think he's still in the grasshopper? Like, is he still cognizant? Mm, probably. Oh, God. That brings up a sort of a moral point from Zeus there. Um, I don't see any way how someone could live forever and not eventually just devolve into <laughs> just total cruelty just for lack of any connection with anyone else or just out of boredom. Mm-hmm. Like, Sooner or later, you know, I mean, we see that already with, you know, the top 1% that's completely detached from everyone else in society. Like, they don't give a fuck. Now, imagine you have that for 3,000 years. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> there'll be children looking at ants with a magnifying glass. I think a lot of that comes from a disparity in lifespan and uh, toys in your sandbox. Uh, because most of these, like, uh, age-old tales about someone uh, attaining immortality somehow, and we'll, we'll talk more about the ways here later, um, but um, someone attaining immortality m- m- remains in this realm, and even if there is a, you know, galaxy-spanning star empire, it's still in this realm, and someone's eventually going to get bored and go a little bit nutso and start cursing dudes to be grasshoppers. <laughs> um and I, I think that the only, like, non-crazy immortals I can think of uh, come from um, a mythos where they have been immortal uh, since the beginning of the universe, and they also transcend this dimension and can literally play with time and space, and, and they've got such a massive sandbox at their disposal with unlimited toys and things to do, they, they never get crazy. How how is that not crazy? Um, it's 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 a it's a reference point. It's a, it's a it's looking at someone cursed to wander Earth. They're gonna get bored because they don't have 
enough stuff to occupy them. Mm -hmm. And that person, because they were once a, I'm, I'm air quoting here, sane, normal earth man. Now they're this mad thing still stuck in earth. Mm -hmm. But if a, if a, uh, race was immortal from inception and can wander time and space doing things that I suppose to us humans might look crazy amongst their own kind and their own selves. It's just life. That's just what it is. They, the, the framework there is so massively different. You can't call them crazy. I think what we, what we refer to as sanity is largely the product of anchors with other people, you know, social connections that we have that keep everyone kind of within a, a defined set of, you know, ideas and behaviors. And we haven't talked about, you know, immortality as a society yet. It, I, I don't think this would exist even there, but if you're talking about us, a single individual that is immortal. I don't see any way that those kinds of connections and common reference points would be maintained over centuries and millennia. I meant more like a, a group of a race, an entire race mm -hmm. that is together immortal. Mm -hmm. um, like a race of gods. Sure. But again, it, we're not talking like the Greek pantheon where for some dumbass reason, they're all fucking around with earth. <laughs> like, the, the, a, a race of immortals that doesn't have those touchstones. They they have the in, the infinite the infinity of of space and time to meddle around with. Mm -hmm. Given infinite life, I think you need infinite toys in your sandbox. So that's a that's another question here: is what else comes with immortality? Is it just that you're living forever, or do you have another set of supplemental abilities that you know? I, th I think if you don't have any additional supplemental abilities, you are guaranteed to go crazy. Just mm -hmm. because you have the power of immortality, but you don't really have any other power. Uh, you would be able to accrue, like, wealth very easily if you were the only one or of, of a select few. But if there's multiple people, who, like, if there's an entire society who is in e who is immortal... Like a lot of like fae type mm -hmm. um, fantasy cr uh, creatures who their immortality and their society is all about like just exchanging like social currency within each with with each other. Mm -hmm. um, but if you've got just one particular individual who is immortal, after they have basically all the money in the world and would quickly become a god to everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, because they would be able to provide this, this perspective of history. Like you were talking about where I, where you don't see why, why that wouldn't, that person wouldn't just start getting detached and fucked up and like being able to just decide, okay, for this 500 years, I'm going to be this absolutely cruel dictator, uh, who tortures everybody because I know that in 5,000, like 5,000 years later, everyone will have forgotten so I can be something completely different to them. Mm -hmm. That's sort of what happens, spoiler alert, um, in the later Dune books, God Emperor of Dune. <laughs> you get, you know, this three, four thousand year reign or whatever of this one tyrant that ultimately has a fairly benevolent plan for the human race, but it requires millennia of absolute cruelty and tyranny to get the the species to this point that he thinks it should be at 
so yeah, even if you maintain some kind of long game ethic, who fucking knows what kinds of means to an end you're willing to employ to do that when you're looking at, at time in that kind of, you know, in that context. It would be no different than like modern day scientists, like using laboratory uh, animals for their experiments in order to get a, a beneficial outcome. Mm-hmm. All of those along the way that end up being sacrificed. Well, it's worth it if in the end we get this achievement. Right. Our path to the stars is, for- stars is forged on dead dogs and chimps. <laughs> Indeed. I wonder about like the subjective perception of time for an immortal person, because I know just me in my mid-30s, I feel like a year goes by in what used to be like six months, mm-hmm. and probably a third of my life growing up, I was raised by my grandmother who lived into her nineties. And I talked to her about like getting old a lot. She liked to talk about it. And she said the same thing more accelerated that, you know, uh, a month or two goes by and it's another year. And she just can't believe like, seems like yesterday she was in her sixties, you know, and she's mm-hmm. like in her upper eighties. And I think it has to do with the, the percentage of your life that a span of time represents relative to where you're at now. So you take that out, scale it up to, you know, centuries, millennia, whatever. And you're, you're talking about this like extreme fast forwarding perspective of time that like, uh, like tree beard from Lord of the Rings, you know, like everything you're doing is so slow and the world is just zipping by in front of you in this manic pace. I mean, I wonder if an immortal would just sit thinking about stuff for years on end and then maybe say a thing. <laughs> and then, like, a few more decades goes by. Like, And to touch back with immortals uh, interacting with mortals, it would take an awful lot, uh, an awfully interesting or special person to fucking matter at all to an immortal, to mm-hmm. say something that would cause them to snap out of their... You know, a, a ten-year-long span to someone who has lived a thousand years is going to feel like the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. They might spend ten years thinking about some philosophical idea, mm-hmm. and to a fucking mortal, like, if I'm trying to get your attention, I'm not going to wait ten years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to do it. It would take a lot to surprise them, too, mm-hmm. because after you've seen so many generations of people and figured out, you know what the the rough parameters are of human behavior given, you know, common conditions, like, you're essentially going to be psychic at some point, you know, like, in in your ability to just foretell, oh, I've seen this kind of person in this kind of situation saying this kind of shit, and they always act like this. There's 700 examples that I have over my lifetime of seeing the same scenario play out. Odds are, I know what's going to go down. And maybe it's not going to be perfect, but damn sight better than we can do in our little mortal span. But if you, if you're immortal and you don't keep that ongoing connection, like routine contact, it's only going to take a couple of centuries before you decide, okay, I'm going to go talk to people again. And you come out and like, everybody is talking a completely different language. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. That would be kind of refreshing. If you're an immortal and you get bored with uh, life in 16th century Vienna, and then you go and 
fuck off to the rainforest for, like, 200 years and get to know, like, gorillas and hang out with the trees and shit, and then you come back, um, there's a whole new world uh, of, you know, colonization happening and exploitation and shit to explore and people developing. Uh, different languages have developed in that time. Um, I guess you could you could maybe prevent some of that um, that classic, like, immortal has lost touch with the mortal realm by just fucking off for a while, <laughs> coming back and they're different. I think they'd probably maintain a lot of those core insights on human nature, though. Mm-hmm. There's there's you know pretty decent evidence that we haven't changed significantly in probably a million years or so cognitively mm-hmm. and uh you know regardless of of cultural things there's probably some deeper shit that you know would be that heuristic that they could run on whatever category of person they happen to come across but there would still be that breakdown of communication where the language has evolved and the immortal mind is just seeing things in a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, take some like take somebody who is currently in their nineties and have them try to communicate with somebody who is twenty years old. Mm-hmm. There is an enormous gulf there mm-hmm. of understanding that just relying on human um, your knowledge of human behavioral behavior isn't going to be able to. Like, you're going to be able to understand what that person is doing, but you're not going to be able to understand what they are saying. Mm-hmm. And when you try to communicate, if you were the immortal trying to communicate with them, the younger person isn't going to understand mm-hmm. the concepts that you're trying to convey. Oh, yeah, for sure. It, at some point, that that immortal is going to run into a, a depending on the, the source of it, if they're not like some kind of, you know, cyborg like linked into some you know cloud computing thing or something if they're just biological um there's there's going to be a finite amount of information that they can store in their head um i was saying before i looked it up in the best the best computational neuroscience estimate is about two and a half petabytes of how much we can store in our brain that's not a shitload and over thousands of years, uh, you're going to, I mean, you're going to run up on that pretty quick. And so, yeah, like even if they keep some core, you know, operating system of dealing with the world and, and other people or whatever, um, there's, there's going to have to be some amount of like working memory, even if that's, you know, got a shelf life of centuries where eventually they're going to have to start like just forgetting shit and bringing new shit in or else they're going to be this bizarre, like Pharaoh character walking around in New York, having no concept of what's going on around them. Um, so yeah, there would not be unlimited knowledge at their fingertips unless it's a magical or even cybernetic stuff that would have a, an upper limit. Give it enough time though. And time has no meaning anymore. Could they not acquire an answer? Obviously, things that have been lost to the past, they could they could never find. But given a society that records everything in some way or another, and an immortal being with enough time, could they not have that infinite knowledge? They just need to find it. Well, if they had enough time in the universe to you know look for whatever answer there is in the universe, then of course. But what I'm saying is, what they have at you know immediate their recall. immediate recall, right? Like. 
And even if you record in some way all of that information, every method that we have devised for recording information is in some way impermanent. Even carving something into stone, the stone is going to wear down. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is true. Time. This is true. Your your race to find something, you know, to an immortal. Well, it took me uh, eight hundred years, but I finally found out what happened at the McDougal family reunion in two thousand forty. I was curious, and here I've found it. I've found a rusty hunk of metal. Oh, shit. This was the device they used to record the family reunion, and it won't play back. The reunion drops to your knees. No! There's no McDougals <laughs> left. It's completely irrelevant information. Relevance. That's, um, that'd be the toughest one to hang on to, I think. Because you're right, like entropy in the universe is your your ultimate enemy at that point. Like you're you're this like statue walking through this universe made of mud, essentially. <laughs> I think that I could be entertained for quite some time if, in addition to immortality, I was given the ability to, at a speed of you know, maybe not instantaneous, because that would uh, I'd, I'd burn through the content a lot quicker but at a pretty damn rapid speed to traverse the galaxy. There's a lot of galaxy to look at. A lot of emptiness, too. But, um, bound to find something, right? How much of it's going to be the same old shit, though? Like, oh, here's another rock. It's got a bunch of nitrogen on it. <laughs> Next. <laughs> I mean, even traveling at the speed of light, it would take billions of years to traverse the current universe. Mm-hmm. Maybe, okay, a third thing. Immortality, traverse the stars, and also... Like um, like a Tinder app for sentient races, so that I could find them and, and seek them out and <laughs> explore them. <laughs> so you're touching on like, if you are immortal, you have to do some. You have to find something to occupy this time. I think so. One of my favorite examples of an immortal creature is from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, in that, there is um. I have the name written down somewhere. Um, Wowerick or Bowerick Wowbagger. And he accidentally becomes immortal. And he, in, in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there are some creatures that are immortal and they were basically intentionally immortal. They've always been immortal. So they are equipped to deal with immortality on a psychological level. They're, they're not, they're described as just being serene beings. Um, because nobody really is able to comprehend them or um, interact with them in a mi- in an, a meaningful way. So everybody just refers to them as just serene beings that are just there. But there's this guy who accidentally became immortal, and so he is going stir-crazy. Um, he enjoys the first few hundred years just laughing at people as he goes to their funerals. <laughs> but he gets to the point where he's done literally everything that he can think of that is possible for him to do. So in order to deal with this crushing inability to do anything new, he decides one, I'm going to invent time travel. And then I'm going to use time travel since I am immortal to visit every sentient creature that has ever existed in alphabetical order and personally insult them. I love the idea that he also has to figure out 
how to find like the list. Yeah, where does he <laughs> yeah. get this list? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that would take a lot of time. I dare say that might be something that you would never run out. Because while you're, you know, bebopping around the planet Zebulon, insulting all of their primitive but sentient tool-using beings, there's an entire um, rest of the galaxy, rest of the universe, that is breeding and creating more sentient beings for you to have to go and find and insult. Eventually you're going to have a heat death of the universe, so there's a finite set yeah. of things that ever happen. Yeah, in, and in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, there is, a, in fact, a known end to the universe. There's mm-hmm. a restaurant at it. Oh. Where, you can, <laughs> yep. where you can witness it. Yep. So you, you are an immortal being dealing with basically a mortal universe. Weird. Does this guy succeed in his quest? Um, eventually, no. He does insult... He, if he eventually insults the wrong creature, he insults a creature that is powerful enough to destroy him. The image of the immortal that's looking to die is one that I like a lot. You see it all over the place. And it's always like, you know, the immortality is a curse thing. Like, you start with Cain, you go as far as you want. There's all the Greeks, there's Dracula, there's all this shit. It happens in Anne Rice. Like, eventually Lestat's, like, so powerful and old, he's, like, flies out to the middle of the desert and just, like, fly straight up at the sun trying to just die and he just fucking can't in the Michael Moorcock universe. There's this, um, there's this guy, <laughs> Prince Gaynor, the damned. He was this like paladin of law, dude. Um, a similar story to, uh, what's his name from, um, uh, uh, Dragonlance, the death knight. Paladine. No, 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 no. The oh, um, it starts with Lord Soth. Soth. Yeah. 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 Similar kind of story. He was like a good guy knight and, you know, betrays some shit for love or whatever. And he winds up getting uh, bound in this chaos armor that he can never take off and live forever. And he's just wandering around the multiverse with just no purpose in his life at all. Nothing can kill him. But that, uh, I feel like that is pretty well the only way that winds up. Like, I don't know how... You could have any kind of meaning, as tenuous as meaning is for us mortals to even hang on to. When you've got to hold that torch for infinity, what could possibly keep you motivated for that long? You know? And you're eventually going to get trapped somewhere. That that would be the worst fear of mine, of being <laughs> truly immortal. And eventually you are going to become trapped somewhere. If you are on Earth and humanity never establishes interstellar travel, Mm -hmm. well, here in five billion years, the sun is going to turn into a red giant and consume the inner planets. And so the earth is going to be consumed in the sun. Mm -hmm. And you're going, at that point, you are going to be stuck in the sun. Mm -hmm. Oh, blow. And that, and you will be stuck into the, in the sun until the sun burns out. And then you'll just be floating in space Probably until the heat death of the universe, mm-hmm. in which the universe expands to the point where molecules are being ripped apart. And then what? Just float out there? That's that's part of my, my question about the immortality thing. Like, something about physics doesn't apply to you anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know? There's there's probably like a lower tier of it that's more science-y based, where, what is the, the telomeres? 
yeah, at the at the end of your um, the end of your DNA strands are just better at staying bound up, and you just don't lose that genetic information with each cellular cellular reproduction. I mean, there's there's animals that live ridiculous amounts of time because of that. Sharks, for instance. But like, if you're talking about something more supernatural, like the vampire thing, where you're just this static entity, um, yeah, like this entropy just not affect you there. Like, one thing I've never seen with vampires is if they're they're always static, even to the point where if they cut their hair, their hair grows back. You know, all that kind of stuff. Well, there's a lot going on in your brain biologically mm-hmm. that you know you're rewiring neurons and you know changing with every day. Would a would a vampire like that be like a you know memento kind of character? <laughs> like, yeah, technically you wouldn't be able to form any new memories. Yeah, eventually your neurons just reset back yeah. to what they were when you were embraced. Listen, you boring men of science. <laughs> Vampires are a magical affliction. <laughs> it's magic with a K, in case you couldn't tell. Mm. So we've talked a lot about the magical and like the supernatural immortality. We've kind of hinted a little bit at like the technological possibilities of immortality. Like at some point, we're just able to upload our brain to a bunch of servers or something like that in order to continually exist for as long as the servers have power and remain functional. Like the episode of um, Black Mirror with uh, San Junipero, mm-hmm. like... That's painted as being like this this great thing, but like in eclipse phase, is that really a great thing? Being able like it starts messing with the whole idea of what are you going to? What's the point of just being this immortal thing that is just experiencing this digital experience that just goes on forever? Mm-hmm. It eventually it would lose anything. Everything would lose meaning in the way that all of us can comprehend it. You even see that in that episode. Mm-hmm. You remember that, that crazy S&M bar where people are just like fucking each other up just to like have some kind of experience. They're like cage fighting. They're all doing bondage shit and whatever. And everyone's just kind of losing their minds because nothing fucking matters. <laughs> even that one girl just like rams the Jeep into something and flies through the windshield just because she's pissed. Well, there's the Cenobites and Hellraiser. Yeah. Like that's, that's the, that's their entire thing. Mm-hmm. They're immortal. And so they just want to experience something to break up the tedium of, of immortality. Yep. I think you have to build in, in something like San Junipero, where you are in a computer, in a, essentially a simulated pleasure dome. You, you have to build in self-termination. And you have to build in the ability to create something. I think a lot of people could occupy themselves for, you know, maybe a couple hundred years, like creating music and art and strange, you know, things the likes of which we've never seen because they have infinite time. And they're able to, you know, push those things out of the server onto the world at large or to other people in the server. But eventually you'd get tired of that and you'd have to be able to self-terminate. Like there, there's no way that you could live in that, um, that like, what, what is it? It's like a resort town, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the idea is that the, you, the viewer don't realize at first that, uh, this is a, a simulation. And so it's like this resort town with bars and clubs and a beach and skydiving and, 
Yeah. There's, there's a few different servers that can go on. They're like different eras of mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. like whatever you prefer. Which is cool. The 80s or what have you. Like, I, I think a couple hundred years of that would be great, but eventually, like, all right, I'm done now. <laughs> I'm done now. This is it. <laughs> what about, other than self-termination, because you're bored and you're done being immortal, regarding someone doing something that is against the code or the, the laws in this immortal society or or in some way not wanting to just outright destroy that person but punish them. How do you punish an immortal being? Um, I think the movie Zardoz had my favorite way of punishing the immortals <laughs> where um, the immortals in that world, whenever they did something that displeased the rest of the immortals, um, they were aged a certain amount based on the severity of the thing that they had did, they had done. So there were some people, there were some immortals who were so old that they were infirm and they were not able to do all of the things anymore that caused them to, uh, to displease everyone. They were, they were aged out to the point where they were no longer of consequence. Hmm relegated to a back room where they could just be crazy and old together. A lot of them were desperate to die. Yeah. Like towards the end of that movie, when the, the crazy folks break in. Yeah. They were begging them to kill. They're getting shot and they're like, ah, finally. (laughs) God, that movie's so good. (laughs) But if you've got an entire society that is, that is immortal, there's, there is this, there's going to be this entrenchment of like the status quo where the majority or the powerful elite make the rules and enforce the rules. And there's not going to be a, there's almost never going to be a shift in power because that's how power is transferred. Now an individual gains power throughout the course of their life. And then there is an enforced change in power, whether it's just the next generation inheriting things or that person dying off and the next leader isn't as competent. So other people are able to gain power to rival them. Um, if you've got an, an entire society that is immortal or just a select elite of society that is immortal, they are really going to become permanent gatekeepers of what is a, what the society is even going to be able to accomplish. Like imagine if everybody in, in our world now became immortal, all of the like billionaires would have all of their money, all of their uh, power, all of their influence, and they wouldn't have death to knock them off the top and allow somebody else to kind of grow into that position. You know, when we started this podcast, I I would have agreed with you and I mostly do except for the permanent part because of all of the shit that we've been talking about so far. I can't imagine any ruling status being so great that it will hold someone's attention for infinity. And eventually I would think that those upper crust people would just lose interest and wind up abdicating or just be so nuts that somebody locks them away because they're just literally not functional anymore. It would certainly drag societal evolution down to a snail's pace, but permanence a long time. And I really don't think that 
any amount of, of control or privilege or whatever would keep someone engaged forever. It'd be damn hard to overthrow them as long as they're into it. Mm-hmm. And they would, like we were saying before, they would have like multi-generational plans in motion. Like if they start seeing, you know, societal unrest, they might create some fake resistance movement that they know that they can undermine at any point just to be, you know, a little steam release on the system and mm-hmm. let people feel like they're getting out there and making a difference. It happens right now. World War One. We're all bored. We have these crazy new weapons. Haven't had a good war in a while. Or World War Two. Imagine, <clears throat> imagine everyone was immortal during World War Two. The Nazis wouldn't be able to accomplish their goal of exterminating the Jews. So, how would they accomplish? How how would they go about doing what they wanted? Would it even be possible to, like Jordan, like you were saying, keep keep the quote-unquote undesirables, um, all of the people that they rounded up into their concentration camps that became death camps, they would never be able to rid themselves of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. An eternity is a long, awfully long time, and eventually, the more I think about it, the more I can't comprehend just how complex machinations would be mm-hmm. if everybody was immortal, everybody realized that we have to plan this out long term. The only thing that would probably like the only variables in that is the fact that even like everybody has a degree of impulsiveness. Mm-hmm. It is, it is and like in Greek mythology, it was the, it was the thing that made the gods act. They, they were compelled to act just because they couldn't, think in the long term of eternity. Mm-hmm. They were slaves to just whatever was going on around them. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is an that is an unquantifiable factor in oh, all of these people would take this long term approach to everything. But like in modern day society, the the random acts, the the unplanned, unthought out just doing things just either for the hell of it or it seemed like a good idea at the time would really be the only real mechanism for change because it would be some, the only thing that would be unpredictable. Yeah. As people get older, they get less impulsive naturally. And you know, the, the older you get, the more conservative you become, the more like careful and planned. Um, so long as you still give a shit and you're not like, you know, somebody with Alzheimer's or something, but so yeah, as long as they care, they're going to be super careful. And like, you see this now, you know, like the, the powers that be, let's say the federal reserve, they don't wildly fuck with the economy. They make these teeny tiny little adjustments and then see how that goes for a couple of years and for a year or whatever. So the, the impulsiveness would, would come from the bottom probably. Um, I mean, maybe, once every couple of centuries, some immortal will get a wild hair and decide to do something nuts just to shake it up. But I know I talk about Dune a lot, but it's the best, like, fictional study I've seen on, like, super deep time and society and stuff like that. And the Bene Gesserits do exactly what you're talking about. And that's where the God Emperor gets that idea of, like, millennia long cultural shaping. Like, they're inventing religions because they know that in 
millennia from now it'll serve them for some reason and like these super subtle little things along the way to make everyone still feel like they're making free choices but changing the the superstructure of society over that time scale so that everyone's always thinking within the frame that they've defined and that's that's power that you know it's it's hard to even recognize exists much less resist mm mm-hmm. mhm Usually in media, the immortal is almost always the bad guy. Mm-hmm. In like at at the very least, he is an anti-hero. Like in the case of like the Vampire Chronicles and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I think that kind of goes to the whole idea that the the immortals represent the status quo. The immortals represent resistance to change. Mm-hmm. So. In a game, you've got, like, vampires, you've got gods, you've got a lich, you've got other immortal creatures who you're going to, like, be fighting. Um, there aren't really the very many games where you actually participate in the immortality. You've got Vampire the Masquerade. There's a game that came out a few years, like, several years ago now called Amaranthine. And it was kind of like a Highlander-type game, mm-hmm. only it... The immort the immortality was a reincarnation. You your character could die, but then a couple of years later you would be reborn, and whenever you reached adulthood, you would gain access to all of the memories over all of your lifetimes. So the 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 intent of that game was to mimic like in the Highlander movies and the TV series where your where the main character would like have flashbacks to like all of the things they had done over the past and like had interactions with this particular person they were with now that game was emulating that where you had like somebody who like in past lives has been your lover or has been your enemy or has at various times been both mm-hmm. and the way that you would deal with your immort- immortality and living out basically living through new eras but you're still kind of the same, the same old person that you have always been. Like you were, Jordan, you were saying about how, like fundamentally, humans are still the same, even though all of these other trappings of like society and stuff are are different. Um, the goal of that game was to see how, basically, how humans are the same, but they're just reacting to different things that are currently being developed. Mm-hmm. Um, and in like in Vampire. That's also like about you're usually in vampire, you're playing neonates, you're playing newly created vampires most of the time. And you're railing against that immortal power structure. You're, you're fighting against the prince and the established order of things to, to get yours, to get, to, to get your, earn your share of power. Um, I'm not sure if there's a question in there. <laughs> well, um, Instead of playing a character railing against the immortal frame, it would be interesting to um, play a group of immortals doing something like the um, Bene Gesserits in Dune, something like um, a long, long-term plan such that, like, each session of your game might be separated by a thousand years. Um, or, you know, you do a sequence of sessions and then the, the group agrees, okay, we've, you know, built our deck here. Let's see how the cards fall. 
and then you you time skip a thousand years and the DM says, you know, well, your your incarnate your your reincarnated selves uh, arrive or or are born or come into come into cognizance to realize that your plans went awry, you know, something changed. Um, or your plans went very well. Um, and, and to have this sort of like subtle, slow burn, long term building towards something would be interesting. I guess in a sense, instead of railing against the uh, unchanging immortals, you are the immortals trying to change things. Also, now you've made me realize I want to play a Highlander game. It'd be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all realizing that to sit as a mortal and really comprehend, just sit there and grok immortality, it's nigh impossible. Every time you think of an idea, every time you think of um, some kernel of, of realization, you realize that, you know, multiply that by a million and stretch it out to the ends of infinity and that kernel of realization is no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. And that's the crux of the issue. Like, we are mortal. How can we possibly understand what immortality would be like? I was trying to imagine what it would be like interacting with an immortal. Like, take all of the social skills that we are slowly and clumsily developing over our lives and, like you said, stretch it out ridiculous amounts. So call it rhetoric, persuasion, neurolinguistic programming, whatever you want, reading body language, you know, tells and all that. You would be dealing with something that is so charismatic and engrossing it would essentially be performing mind control on anyone around at all times. It would know precisely the tone of voice, the the vocabulary, whatever it needs to say to each person to just make them compliant. I mean, we can look at, you know, people who are way far on that spectrum right now, and it's already extraordinary. Somebody focused on that for hundreds of years, like, we wouldn't stand a chance. So immorta- immortality is scary. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the, uh, that, that's, that's the, the core of it here. What if Adolf Hitler had a century to write a speech? <laughs> Do we want to move on to geek things? There are no geek things. There's only the inevitable death of the universe. <laughs> um, so I've, one of my geek things, um, Kind of in the vein of immortality. I, while this isn't immortal yet, it is definitely old. I don't remember where, I, I'm blanking on where it is. It's somewhere in, um, in Southeast Asia. There is a restaurant that has had the same cauldron boiling for food for soup for 45 years. Whoa. That's a pot of brown. They go through, like, all the stuff that's in there. They they go through it in a day, but they're constantly replenishing it. So it's, you've got the, like, uh, you've got essentially this container that has always been here boiling, but you've got the, like, the Argo philosoph- philosophical issue of you've replaced every part of mm-hmm. this. Is it still the same mm-hmm. thing? What is that? The ship of Hesiod? Ship of um, Jason. Um... This is not important. I thought it was different. Continue. <laughs> so that's my geek thing, is that there is this soup that has been simmering 
for 45 straight years, and people are continuing to eat from it. What's the Yelp review on that? <laughs> Ship of Theseus. Theseus. Yeah, I had to look that up. I couldn't remember. Um, what's, it's, a, it's a cool oh. thought experiment. I like that. But wait, 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 wait. So at nighttime, they, they, they keep the pot boiling, I guess? I, I think so. There's, there's a YouTube video. It's been a couple of weeks since I've watched the YouTube video. That was actually the inspiration for this episode. That's why I started thinking about immortality. Is this, <laughs> I saw this video about this soup. I started thinking soup. about longevity. <laughs> uh, well, I'll continue with the theme. Um, the oldest uh, continually operating Chinese-American restaurant. Um, where might you guys think that restaurant would be? Oklahoma. San Francisco? Clayton's closer. Butte, Montana. Hmm. The Pecan Noodle Parlor. Opened in 1911 by immigrants. Still open. Hmm. It has to be immortality and food-related, Clayton. (laughs) (laughs) Immortality and food. It's pretty tough. (laughs) Got a movie suggestion. (laughs) We we watched this last night. Um... (laughs) 1992 cyberpunk classic starring Emilio Estevez, Rene Russo, Mick Jagger, and Anthony Hopkins. This film is called Free Jack. Awesome movie. It is uh, set in a, a futuristic dystopian 2009 where uh, rich people contract with these uh, sort of time-traveling kind of mercenaries to locate a point where a person died in history, grab their body with this time machine at the instant of their death so that the rich people can then transfer their consciousness electronically into the uh, younger person's stolen body. Um, I'm not going to say it's a good movie, but I will say it's a great movie. (laughs) Free Jack. All right, guys, what do you say we stop this bullshit and start rolling some dice? What's the point? This has been a production of Alien Familiar Media. You can find past episodes and more at alienfamiliar.com. You can email us at alienfamiliarmedia at gmail.com. This production is protected under a Creative Commons non-commercial attribution, no derivatives license. Music for this episode is Suburban Outlaw by Forget the Whale and can be found at freemusicarchive.org.